This is Tarot for the Wild Soul, a weekly tarot podcast about life, death, and rebirth, hosted by me, Lindsay Mack. Welcome to this uh, very special episode. We have a Q&A this week, but I am joined by a guest, my dear friend, breathwork facilitator, and my co-leader and co-facilitator for our brand new workshop, Tarot for the Underworld open for enrollment now. Um, please welcome Amy Koretsky to the Tarot for the Wild Soul podcast. Um, it was such a joy to have Amy on to get to answer your questions about soul-led businesses, breath work, underworld journeys, and more. A little bit about Amy before we get to our interview. Amy Koretsky is a breathwork facilitator and wellness coach for mind, body, and business. Amy's work focuses on helping female-identified and non-binary business owners thrive in the liminal space between work and life. She believes that the health of our physical and emotional bodies are inextricably tied to the health of our businesses, and that when we work in this overlap, we can build businesses that are heart-centered and healing for both the individual and the collective. Amy uses the breath as a tool for healing in both private and group sessions, and has led in-person breathwork groups in Minnesota, Wisconsin, California, and Oregon. She's also the host of the podcast Health Heals Hustle that is fucking incredible and on which I was just a guest. So if you want more business, tarot, medicine about the underworld, you have that as well. Um, yeah, my interview with Amy was really juicy and um, a full hour and really got to answer some of your questions that were just wonderful. Um, by the way, everyone's questions were wonderful. And if yours didn't get picked, um, um, hopefully we can answer them for you at another time. Um, maybe in another format because they were all so good. Um, but yeah, I'm just so excited to share this with you and, uh, delighted to announce that, like I said, Enrollment for Tarot for the Underworld, a tarot and breathwork journey through line two of the Major Arcana, offering you support on underworld journeys and all that they bring forward for us, is open for enrollment. Um, so delighted to be able to say that and to um, officially open the doors for it. Enrollment will only be open until October 31st, and then this offering will go away and it will come back in a new form next year. So, yeah, very excited. If you want to sign up, you can go to lindsaymack.com slash tarot for the underworld to either learn more or sign up. My material goes live next Friday, and Amy's live breath work uh, comes out on October 27th uh, for the new moon in Scorpio. And if you're not able to make that, you will get a recording of it. But you can't get it unless you sign up. So please do if you feel called. So without further ado, I'd like to um, share my interview with Amy. I hope you love it. Welcome to the podcast, Amy. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh my God, it's such a pleasure. And I haven't done an interview in a while for the podcast, but it just, of course, given the nature of our collab and this beautiful workshop that we are co-birthing into the world together. It just felt like such an organic, intuitive choice to 
invite you into a conversation about all things breathwork, soul-led business, which is such a beautiful place that you shine and serve. And of course, you know, underworld journeys. <laughs> so thank you for being here for that. Uh, thank you. Yeah. So um, I want to start uh, with just some like the briefest of um just kind of interview questions. And then we're going to get to um, the questions from our audience, which are so juicy and wonderful. But, um, and I'm going to weave in our first question from someone with regard to that, because it really lines up with what um, uh, I'm most curious about, which uh, comes from Anna, who asks, I would love, love, love to hear the nitty gritty details in how Amy was trained in breathwork, what they wish they learned in the training and advice for someone looking to become a breathwork facilitator. So I'm just curious, how did you start in this uh, work that you do? Amazing question. Um, okay. So I am a breathwork facilitator, but my background is in Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm. um, I've been a Chinese medicine practitioner for over six years now. And I, so I work a lot with energy and movement of energy, which is a lot of what both acupuncture, but also breathwork does. And, and so in the, you know, the online sphere and whatnot, I had become familiar with Aaron Telford, who is both a breathwork breathwork practitioner and also has been an acupuncturist for many years who at, one, at the time when I became familiar with her, she was out in New York City. And this was several years ago. I really, other than, you know, going to the occasional yoga class and I do not consider myself a yogi. It is not something that is like a big part of my practice, but that's really the only experience that I had had with working with the breath before. And then when Erin offered her very first online breathwork um, group, I thought, well, here's a, a fellow acupuncturist that I really resonate with. And she's been talking about this a lot. And I'm really curious. I want to know what this is all about. And so mm -hmm. I um, signed up for that group. And to say that it was a life altering experience is like an understatement because mm -hmm. it basically completely changed the trajectory of my own healing journey, my personal life, my professional life. And so during that session, um, I, I was feeling chi and energy move in my body in ways that I had never even felt during an acupuncture session. And I'm, I'm used to feeling energy move, you know, this is what I do all day. Mm -hmm. And I was feeling it in such intensity and in ways that I, I couldn't even put words to that. I, I needed to know more. And, I, and it just made such a, um, a cracking open for me in both my intuition and in my heart and, and later on in other ways as well. But so, um, almost immediately I, I reached out and I was like, Hey, I need to know more about this. And she was like, well, if you're interested, I'm, I'm teaching the level one training. Um, I think it was like a couple months later, you know, do you want to do this? And I was like, yes, yes, I do. And so, um, I ended up training with both Aaron and then training with her teacher, David Elliott, who's now my teacher as well. Um, and he has a, a four level series of breathwork healer trainings. And, um, and so that's how I kind of came to this journey. And so since then, I've been working with David for several years um, and have been working with my own clients now. Mm. Um, as for the question of like, 
what would someone need to know if, as they were going to come to this journey themselves or become a breathwork facilitator themselves? You know, there's actually a lot of different styles of breathwork out there. Um, the one that David teaches does not have a specific, um, like, trademarked name attached to it. And, um, you know, if you are interested in, and have experience with breathwork where it's been really impactful for you and know that you want to be bringing that to uh, the people that you work with, I think just really finding a teacher and a lineage that resonates with you and that um, can support you in your own um, evolution and expansion as a someone that holds space for other people um, as they move through their transitions and transformations. Mm, so beautiful and just so lovely um, and potent and something that I just think is so universally felt that for so many of us, we have to experience the um, embodied understanding of how this flows through us rather than, um, you know, because I think many of us, you know, seek to learn and we think, you know, oh, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try that. And um, sometimes these beautiful experiences can come when we're just seeking out our own healing. And all of a sudden, we have a sense of like, whoa, I feel called to serve using this modality. And I loved hearing your story of how Aaron's breathwork cracked you open and clued you in to how you wanted to be of service with the breath in that way. Yeah. And I, I mean, I fully believe that, um, we have to have intimate relationships with these tools before we can start bringing them to others. 100%. And so, um, even though like I signed up for the training right away, like I also, you know, practiced the breath and, and had one-on-one -on -one sessions with facilitators and practiced it on my own at home. And, and over these last many years have had such, you know, I haven't, how do I want to say this? You know, breath work has been the deepest teacher for me of any healing modality. And it has been the most, um, healing for me really mm. in both physical, emotional, and spiritual levels. Mm. So beautiful. And, um, this is my question, you know, um, my dovetail on what you just said, I suppose, but, um, here's my cue is that, um, as many folks listening to this know, Amy and I are teaming up to co-teach, co-lead, um, a tarot and breathwork workshop called Tarot for the Underworld, which is open for enrollment currently. Um, and, uh, it's such deep, potent, beautiful, magnificent work. Um, and one of the most powerful parts of us kind of coming together to, uh, teach and, um, the workshop is really centered on examining line two of the major arcana as kind of the line of the underworld. Really that journey was sparked, even though I don't think either of us knew it at the time that it would connect in to a collaboration with the both of us. Um, you had a realization that you shared with our group of friends and then shared on Instagram um, about how the process of breath work, the linear um, kind of rather spiral of breath work, of any breath work practice, is 
truly a parallel mirror for line two of the major arcana, um, which blew my mind, I think blew everyone's mind. And if you're hearing this for the first time and want to go further, Amy and I are doing an email challenge. Um, and in a few weeks, if you're signed up for it, you'll get a very juicy email from Amy all about that. So you can sign up for that email challenge at the show on the show notes at the link on the show notes. So we're not going to go so much into it here, but all that preamble to say that that awareness, kind of that, that lightning bolt, that of, of clarity and channeled information is a part of the beautiful expansion. I imagine with um, becoming more and more familiar, intimate, experienced, practiced with something. Um, and I'm curious for you, long question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm curious for you, you know, um, I would love to hear a little bit about how that question came or, you know, how that realization of line yeah. two came to you. And when did you start noticing that you would receive these kind of channeled downloads in breathwork? Okay, well, I'm going to answer the question backwards Great. because I'm going to answer that last part first, where literally in that very first session that I just spoke about, that's when I knew that breathwork was going to be the way that I could open my channel in a wow. way, you know, yeah. that it would just um, in a really like clear way, because I think I had felt an open channel for a long time, but at times it could feel confusing or foggy or muddy. Um, I'm not someone that gets very visual cues when it comes to my intuition. It, they tend to be more inner knowings or words or numbers and stuff like that. And when I had my very first session, that online one that I did with Aaron, I had like visual, visual, like I don't want to say premonitions, but I like saw something mm. that I was like, oh, that's going to happen. Like that really is going to happen. And what it ended up being was um, basically the an image of of myself and a group of female identifying business owners out in the desert together, like convening in circle and in workshop and in healing space together. And then about like eight months later, I ended up holding my first like sold out um, retreat out in mm. Joshua tree for business owners. And so like that very first time I was like, Oh, this is, this is what I personally need to do to work with this channel and to feel really clear and connected with it. So that's the the end part of your question, you know, going back to the beginning with this whole realization of breath work being an embodiment of line two of the majors. Um, you know, although I am a breathwork facilitator and I'm facilitating and holding space for other people, both in private session and in groups, you know, many days out of the week. Um, I myself am the sort of person that um, I, I have a breathwork practice and it is a solo practice, but I know I do better when other people are holding space for me. So it's actually really important for me to um, make sessions with my with my cohort people or my mm. teachers or go to other people's groups. And so I've always really prioritized having sessions with other facilitators. Um, and there's a woman here in town, her name's Helen, and um, she's been trained with the same teacher that I trained with. And so we have a very similar lineage and style. And I had been in session with her one day. And, um, you know, every experience when you do breath work is a little different. That's actually one of my very favorite things about breath work is that you can show up 
with your ego, but spirit is going to provide for you exactly what spirit wants to provide for Mm -hmm. you. And in this particular session, I don't remember, you know, what intention I maybe had or hadn't gone in with, but, um, what ended up happening was that it really opened a lot for me in this session. And I was having more resistance than usually comes up because I've been doing this work for years and sometimes there's more resistance and sometimes there's less. And I thought I had worked through a lot of the resistance that was coming up, but for one reason or another, this particular session, my hands just clenched up. And that happens sometimes during breath work. Um, You know, when we're over oxygenating the body, there can be a bit of a tetany that happens in the hands and it's completely normal and it's completely okay. And also um, in Chinese medicine, all of the channels, around the heart, the heart, the lungs, the pericardium, they all end in the palm of your hand. Mm -hmm. And so when we like clench up our hands and breath work, usually it's a response to hitting a core wound and feeling very protective and nervous and vulnerable around our heart. And so in that session, I just had this intensity in my hands and often when that happens, the practitioner, the facilitator will maybe offer you some stones to hold on to, or we'll put some rose or jasmine oil, like essential oil on your palm. Mm. And Helen had offered me that at that moment. And I was just like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to be with this intensity. I'm going to be with this discomfort. And all of a sudden the picture that came in my head was the image of the hanged man, like the card of me just being kind of suspended there in this, very uncomfortable, but necessary space so that I could allow what needed to come up and be processed and to truly be released, show up. And, and that was just so intense for me in this moment. And I was just like, I, I'm the hanged one right now. Like I am here, I'm in it. This is what it feels like. And so then later that night I was home and I like drew myself a bath and I was laying in the bath. And then all of a sudden it just started, my brain just started weaving it all together. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, this is the whole experience. And so that's when I immediately like basically texted you and all the the folks. And I was like, Mm -hmm. OMG, (laughs) I have to (laughs) share this with you. Well, it blew my tits off as you know, and, um, I cannot wait for people to really, I mean, that email is just so incredible. Um, I cannot wait for people to really get to experience that both in the workshop and in the email. Thank you for sharing that story. Um, and really briefly before we get to our questions, um, I'd love to ask you, you know, uh, I know a little bit about it, but if you could share a little bit about your experience with the tarot, how did you come to be, practicing with it and, um, working with it as you do? Oh yeah. So that's a great question. Um, I am someone that definitely came to tarot a little bit later in life. Um, I, I didn't have a deck as a kid. I didn't, you know, no one gifted me one when I was like in high school or anything like that. Um, however, I was very much into kind of other magical practices as I was young and, and very rebellious in a lot of ways in my, um, high school and college years. Um, and it was actually when I visited new Orleans for the very first time. And this would have been in like 2014, maybe, Mm -hmm. um, I was in new Orleans for the very first time and 
you know, if you've ever been to New Orleans, you know that it's just like magic is like seeping through the cracks, you know, in the floor. And um, I had a tarot reading there and it knocked my socks off and I ended up getting a deck pretty soon after and really just kind of like was more dabbling and experimenting and and just like learning for myself and, you know, would do the traditional thing of like looking up on the internet when I didn't quite know what something meant. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I, around that same time, my business was kind of doing some evolutions and some shifts, which I feel like my business is always doing some evolutions and some shifts, which is why, like, this is why I, you know, specialize in this with my clients. But, um, I really found, uh, solace but also support in the tarot as that was happening and then at that point I was like well I want a better foundation because I I trusted what was coming through for me but I like the way that I prefer to work is like to have a solid foundation and then to allow myself to expand and um, redefine for myself above that hell yeah um yeah so um Nicole Big Mouth Tarot, who you've had on this podcast before. Love um, Nicole. Love her too. She's a friend of mine. She lives here um, where I live in Twin Cities. And we were going out to breakfast one day and we were talking about tarot. And she mentioned um, Jeff Hinshaw's Brooklyn Fools. Mm -hmm. And I checked into that and I was like, oh, this looks great. And Nicole had nothing but amazing, amazing things to say about the class. So I ended up um, learning with Jeff and Jeff was my first real tarot teacher. And it was such a beautiful experience. It was so like, it's a six month in depth, um, just deep dive. And it was so supportive and so, um, opening in so many ways. And, and so that's kind of where it all started. Absolutely. Amazing. Um, yeah, just love hearing about that. Um, I think if it feels good to you, we can transition into questions because so much of your business knowledge, breathwork knowledge, underworld knowledge is um, really going to just pour forth um, in these questions. So I'd rather allow it to come out that way than in my own. Um, So I'm going to start with a question that's just for you. And then after that, that'll be questions that we both can offer an answer to. But this one is from Nicolette. And Nicolette says, I'm entering into a breathwork session soon and have been told it can help with trauma via the breath. How does this work? Or do you think breathwork can in fact help with processing trauma in the body? In my very first breathwork taster session, I shook like an exorcism and saw what can only be described as aura colors changing. I'm curious about breathwork's power. I've also been going through some underworld initiation type events, reprocessing traumas and beginning therapy for the first time in years during this. Would love to hear your thoughts on breathwork, tarot, and plunging into the depths of deep emotion to release. Oh, such a great question. Mm -hmm. So good. And I want to first like totally affirm that person's experience of the shaking and the visions. And I, and I'm love hearing that they are interested in bringing this forward along with other tools such as therapy, because I think that breath work can be such a, um, complement to other practices like therapy. I think Mm -hmm. that especially when we're working with trauma, there's obviously things that we can use to support our cognitive understanding of trauma. 
And also the body has a memory, the cells have a memory, and there's so much that can still be stored in the body, even when we, you know, understand from a brain perspective, our experience. And so, you know, to answer the question, I absolutely believe that breathwork can be um, such a, a supportive and um, just an amazing tool for releasing some of that physical memory of the cells of trauma, you know, in the body. Um, to talk about that sort of shaking experience, um, I like to explain it almost as if this is so some I hope that no one like takes this the wrong way and I'm not trying to like uh, make any comparisons but um, I have a wonderful lovely pup who is very very anxious she when I adopted her she was nine months old and she literally has a BB stuck in her shoulder because she was shot yes no. yes um, so I don't know what her life was like before she came to live with us. She has a wonderful life now, but, um, <laughs> she obviously had a really traumatic life before she came to live with us. And, um, anytime that we are in a situation that feels stressful for her, one of the things that she innately does first is she just shakes it out mm-hmm. like her whole body, just like, mm-hmm. you know, you've seen dogs do it. They're like, Oh, something freaks them out. And then they shake it out and it's like, Oh, everything's okay now. And it's because animals know from this very like primal place that that energy, that tension is being held in the body and it has to be released in some way. Yeah. And I really do believe that, um, us as humans with our brains, we don't really give that opportunity for that primal release to happen very often. And with breath work, we're really getting out of the brain and into the body to trust the body's own way of processing. So for some people, it might look like shaking for other people. It might look like really loud, primal crying or screaming, you know, it's going to look different or feel different from everyone. But what it really comes down to is that um, we're letting the body process and release things in the way that it knows how to do already without getting in its way. Glorious. Thank you so much for that brilliant answer, Amy. That was lovely. Okay, so diving further, Christina asks, and this is to both of us, in what ways do you both find, in what ways do you both find ways to connect with the underworld slash other world in your everyday lives? Mm. You want to go first on that one? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, <laughs> I... I think that there are ways to connect. Um, I imagine that Amy, uh, I don't know, but probably will have more to say because I imagine breathwork is a wonderful tool to really just touch in and explore that. Um, Probably one of my favorite ways um, is doing a body scan so that there's, um, really a clear idea for me of what's hanging out in my physical body meditation for sure. Um, but the reason that I'm sort of stalling around this question is because I don't, I think you, you get to a point, um, where you're not attempting to connect with anything. It's just there. 
where it's it because I I am in touch with the underworld every single moment of my life where there is room for that part of me to come along. That's really where all my work comes from. That's um, those are the conversations that I'm used to having. I don't have conversations with really anyone in my life that doesn't include um, that doesn't offer some inclusion of that. Um, but it's not to say that everyone should be there. Everyone will be there. That's everybody's state of being. It's just mine. And I think the more that you're, um, the more that you get in touch with these journeys, the more you understand that you're never really out of them. You're just kind of circling, um, in and around, um, under and over and, um, but really everything is kind of coming from the core of that space. So it's, it's really a present ally with us. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think in addition to that, one of the things that I don't know if I necessarily do it intentionally, but it does. Um, I think I've practiced it for so long that it naturally comes through throughout the day, all day long is really, um, acknowledging when, my brain is inviting me into the contraction um, and like both being in the contraction and then also having the wherewithal and the presence of mind to be like, and I see that this is my brain inviting me into this contraction and like holding space for the both and of like, I'm both in it. And I can also like almost be above and around myself and see Mm -hmm. myself in it. Does that make sense? hundred percent. And I think we're, I think in two really beautiful, but complimentary ways, we're saying very similar things. It's just like when you live with underworld present with you, um, it starts to really become just as you so beautifully said, a, a consistent living acknowledgement of when those invitations come rather than trying to push them away or saving them for, you know, a special occasion or anything. They're just, they get to be with you all the time. Yeah. And I mean, additionally to that, I will say that by no means have I always been living this way. And <laughs> Hell no. Right. And I think that breath work and that consistency, not just like, oh, I had a quote, consistent breathwork practice, but more my consistency of being available to myself to show up in this way and to lay down and breathe and get vulnerable and get um, curious. Those practices again and again, I think have allowed me to get to this place of then being able to live in that both and. Beautiful. So our second question comes from Pandora, who asks this, I would like to know, how do you take care of and be kind to yourself when you are deep into an underworld journey? I've been in a major journey since the end of May with the start with the start of an illness that made me put everything on hold. And even though I'm now out of that part of my journey, thankfully, it hasn't left but shifted to something else. I'm happy to go first on this one. Please. I have something real top of mind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so I mean... I want to honor that question so hard. And for me personally, and this is very specific, I would say it's the last maybe year and a half, two years. um, What has made such a difference for me is having very trusting and safe and vulnerable 
relationships. So whether that is a friendship or a family member or a romantic partner, but just having um, a person that I can speak to my fears, like share my fears with um, and know that I'm not going to be judged and also know that those fears will be reflected back to me in a way that maybe I will see them in a different light because so often we can be so deep in the weeds of our own um, stories that we might not see all of the, you know, just having someone reflect it back to us can, can be really eye-opening in a lot of ways. Um, so that's, that's something that I would start with for me personally. Beautiful. And, you know, a hundred percent in agreement with that interpersonal reflections are crucial. I think, um, I want to speak really briefly about both of these things because I'm really observing the take care of and the be kind to yourself. So I think that being kind to yourself while you're in the midst of an underworld journey, especially one that is connected to illness or chronic pain, is really an animal unto itself. And I think it's a daily practice. Um, And one of the most profound shifts that we can move through, and I'm not saying it's easy or that I'm perfect at it, but you do over time it can be very helpful to remember that it's not the body's fault that we can have a really, really valid way of expressing, releasing our emotion, our anger, our resentment, our grief, our frustration. I literally just had this happen yesterday where um, a chronic pain flare came back in my neck and I just was so angry and sat with it. And very quickly, it moved into grief. And it's taken me a while to cultivate the understanding that this isn't my body being defective or a problem. This is simply my body trying to move through um, something that's no one's fault. And so having a space in which to caretake ourselves for me was a long journey, but I think it comes with time and just remembering that the body is doing everything it can to move us through this experience in the best way it can. And, um, and also that no feelings are invalid with regard to that, but it can be useful in terms of, um, feeling like there's a sense of kindness toward ourselves and then care. Um, everything Amy said is a hundred percent for me. And the only thing I would add to it is absolutely unapologetic boundaries with your time and energy. You owe nobody anything. And if there's, you know, certain relationships that you want to kind of qualify, you know, needing a little space and moving a little bit at a different pace, that's fine. Um, But really just when the brain brings up those feelings like, oh, I'm being a horrible friend or whatever story it may have, you're not. You're doing a great job and um, really just cultivating, you know, again, cultivating that compassion for ourselves, really just being radical enough to give yourself everything you need in those experiences. And if people have a problem with it, that's their story. Doesn't, we don't owe anybody an apology for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we both know that one well. <laughs> uh, so we're moving into some business cues. Um, Lisa asks, how do you both, Lindsay and Amy, 
best navigate issues regarding promoting your businesses and personal brands while still staying true to your personal needs regarding public slash private access access slash restriction, extroversion slash introversion. I'm always looking to navigate this challenge gracefully, especially in this hyper-connected state of social media overload. I'd love to hear your thoughts on how you've defined and achieved this balance in your own soul-centered practices. Would you like to go first? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this question. And I think that part of being a soul-centered business or soul-centered business owner is trusting that you can follow what your body or brain needs in that moment and that, um, you know, the right outcomes will come from that. And so, you know, for me, I, I am a Leo. (laughs) I like being on social media. (laughs) I I like being on Instagram. I think it's fun. I, I like making videos. And so I don't have a problem. Uh, for myself, being putting energy into that sort of sphere. I absolutely have boundaries around like, if you know, if you want to DM me with like, a high five, or like, hey, like, that's cool. But if you want to DM me, like to try to book a session, like, that's a no go. And it says it on my, you know, social media profile that you need to email me for business stuff. Um, However, I absolutely know business owners who they know that social media isn't their jam. And they have full thriving practices that mainly come from word of mouth or from meeting people face to face or like, I don't think that there's one right way to do business. And so it's mostly that I would love for you to have all the permission in the world to do it in the way that feels right for you and fully trust that that will bring forward what's meant to bring forward. Mm, Gorgeous. I love it. I love the idea in that, like really checking in with your own value system around that. You know, what are you wanting? What do you like doing? I love that. Um, I could spend an hour on this. I have a lot to say. I'm not going to spend even close to an hour answering this (laughs) question, but I could. Um, I grapple with this every day because I am an extremely private very introverted person, even though I enjoy talking with people that I, it's a, it's like a 90, 10 ratio. Um, I do not particularly like, um, yeah, it's just, it's always been a little hard for me. And since my business has grown through the years, um, I have found that what you've asked, Lisa, is a very natural, normal, um, actually really beloved, uh, I have found part of the natural continued expansion of my business. I have to ask myself this question um, really steadily in a very grounded and kind of, you know, connected way. Um, I have to check in with this all the time. Sometimes I have to check in with this every day. You know, do I share where I am? Do I not? Sometimes um, for me, uh, even though I'm a pretty hardy person, um, energy affects me and I don't always like the idea of 50,000 people knowing exactly what I'm doing when I'm doing it. Um, And that's because I have found that it allows me to do my work way better when I don't have that energy 
moving through me. And for some people, it's not even a problem. They have triple the amount of followers I do, and it's like completely not a problem for them. So what has happened with me is it seems to be the rhythm that I have to retrofit. (laughs) So like I started out my business kind of sharing everything and everyone had my phone number. And now um, it's really become the more that my service has expanded, the more that my offerings have expanded, the more I am serving in that way, the less available I feel um, that I am able to be in a kind of a personal way. And yet everybody knows about the trauma that I've had with my family. So it's really more like, what do you define as private? You know, and I'll certain circling back to Amy is like, it really comes back to you checking in with yourself, what feels private, what feels public, what feels um, like it is part of your shared experience, what feels like it's important just for you. Only you can really know that. And it changes with time. Um, I've definitely had to retrofit multiple, like I guarantee you, Amy, like you've gotten emails from me, not you personally, but just anyone who's been on my mailbox. Like there've been many times over the years where I've been like, I'm not texting anymore, or, you know, I'm not doing readings anymore, mm-hmm. or, you know, I don't DM, like whatever it is, like you can, you, you're always free to adjust. So, yeah, I would just want to like add on to that to just really highlight this idea that Um, things aren't going to be static. Like you are absolutely encouraged to adjust things as things, you know, shift and change for you because um, similar to Lindsay, like what I currently do and the boundaries I currently have have not always been there. And it's absolutely okay to um, check in to see, see what feels comfortable in this moment and know that even a week out, it might feel different and then you can change it. That's right. It's, it's really just so beautiful. And the thing that I would say to kind of, if you need want to say anything else, Amy, but the thing that I would leave off with this, uh, at least for my answer is like something that I really want everyone <laughs> to like deeply embody. I say this with great respect. I love the people who work with me. I love the people who listen to this podcast. I love the people who desire to engage with my work and my Instagram. I do not owe anyone any part of my personal time, period. I am here to offer, um, but the owing of it is like, I I think sometimes we get caught in that and we think like, you know, should I share about this? You know, we start shooting ourselves and I don't say I don't owe anyone anything to be like, well, fuck you guys. It's actually the opposite. It's I desire to share. I desire to unfold. But when it comes into, oh, this person expects a personal response from me because they're upset. No, 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 no. Like you're not always going to get that. And that's because I, um, am really boundaried in a wonderfully open way about my space and my time. You're just not always going to get everything you want from any practitioner when you want it. And I I think that translates like, you know, you can take the same action, which is like posting a story. But if you're posting the story from a place of like, oh, I have to do this. Totally. You can feel it. As if you post a story because like, I'm so excited to share this, you know, like it comes across. And so really just encouraging you to like show up in the way that excites you. Yeah. Yeah. 
Very passionate about this question, Lisa. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Abby asks, I've been running my witchy business for three years and I'm finally full time. Yay. Hooray, Abby. Um, I've also got a lot going on, which means a lot to market. How do you practice psychic cleanliness around marketing? I feel like the more marketing I have to do, the more putting more putting myself out there I have to do, the more pieces are being taken away from me. I don't feel centered. How do you manage this as a spiritual business person? Oof. I mean, it's so good. I know. I mean, I ask myself this question all the time. Me too. Every day. <laughs> um. Mm. I need to take a breath with this one. If you want to start first, you can. Otherwise, we can. Mm -hmm. Okay. I will start with this one. Um, Marketing, I think, is just universally tough and complex. It's really vulnerable to essentially get up and say, I have this offering I'm inviting you to invest in it. Um, Would you give me money, please? And um, it's also super vulnerable because um, anytime we make a thing, we've essentially stepped through a thousand doors, um, shined our light out into the world with something that we hope helps and touches people. And it's very easy for the brain to get in there and for all kinds of things to get in there and say, um, uh, you know, all kinds of different things. Like I'm upsetting people. I'm bothering people. People are going to feel like I'm driving them crazy with the amount of emails I send. Um, I'll feel like a failure if it doesn't do X, Y, Z. We're always kind of confronting those things. So here's what I would say. Uh, I have a few little tips. Um, one, I would encourage you to, Abby, um, this is so normal, to um, offer yourself the gift of time when um, you can, when it feels like it's natural, to maybe rethink the way that you want to market. Is there something about the way you're marketing that you feel like, well, this is how other people do it. This is kind of how I have to do it. Are you believing something that maybe isn't the truth? Are you believing that... um, you know, you're bothering people. Like, is there an underlying belief there? Just really um, getting really clear about what you desire. And the second kind of complimentary uh, comment to that is how can you make your marketing feel like you are being of service? How can you provide nourishment, yeah. information, free offerings in the midst of allowing folks to see whether or not it's in their heart to come and work with you or not. And kind of third piece to that, (laughs) if you don't feel, um, if you don't feel centered in the midst of it, are you attaching an importance or, um, a need or desire to something that you're trying to get from your marketing that isn't kind of matching what it wants to be. And a more simple way of looking at it is, you know, marketing in and of itself actually has kind of a soul to it. And everyone's marketing is a little different because their community is a little different. Um, and there are huge energetics to that. So for me, um, 
I have learned a lot with my marketing where I used to be really like, cause I really am excited about my work and want to share in the experience. And inadvertently, like I really used to hammer like, and be like, here's why, and here's why, and here's why I love this. And maybe you will too. And now it's shifted a little bit more to, um, here are all of the different plates of food that I can bring to the table. And even if you don't pay for this offering, I want you to feel like you got something without necessarily feeling like it was all like a bait and switch. Um, and it has cleaned up so much for me in terms of my feelings of ickiness with marketing. Like there's really a huge gift to marketing and uh, it's, you know, a constantly flowing cycle, but, um, the three-year mark, you know, now I'm in my, um, how many years am I in? Uh, four years. And I've just now started to be like, I definitely need to close my cart way early. I'm driving people crazy. And it's not, uh, I don't feel bad about that. It's just like, you're learning, like you're allowed yeah. to learn. You're just learning. Um, so like, give yourself permission to learn as you go. Yeah. And I would, I would invite them to even change the word marketing to sharing God and damn. see what it feels like when you ask that same question, but just using the word sharing, because really, um, you know, as someone myself who I, I actually have two businesses. I run an actual physical location, like healing clinic here in Minneapolis. And then I have my more online part of my business, which is a separate business. Um, I sometimes can definitely, my brain completely invites me into that, um, the, those questions and those worries. And like, I have events all over the place, like both here locally and then online. And so sometimes I can freak out about that. And um, what it always comes like, what centers me and what always helps me come back to it. And this is what I would invite for you as well is be like, okay, what is it that I really want to share? If it ends up talking about one of these offerings, that's great. If it doesn't, and it just engages this viewer, the audience member to, um, to be more curious about the other work that I do. And maybe they then click on my website and go to the events page and see all these different events that I'm doing. That's great too. But just kind of like what we were talking about with that last question is like, you can take any action, any action. And if you come at it from one feeling of obligation or of worry or of fear that you're um, bothering other people, it's going to come across completely different than if you take the exact same action from a place of excitement and generosity and, you know, gratitude and stuff like that. And so I think it's all about like sharing what you want to share in the way you want to share it because it feels good to you and, and that's how you want to be of service and trusting that um, even if it's not directly saying like go and sign up here, like that if it really connects with the audience member, they're going to want to go check out and see what you're doing and then be like really excited when they see this awesome offering and like go sign up for it. Hell yeah. Love it. Totally agree. Um, anonymous asks, what if you have a soul led business and it's not making you money? What do you do then? How do you balance your soul's work with the real need of making money and living in this human experience? Mm, yeah, absolutely. So what is coming up for me in this moment is 
taking care of our nervous system. And sometimes taking care of our nervous system means um, doing what we need to do to feel like we have a safe and secure foundation under us. And so if that means that we give ourselves complete and full permission to find resources, like get resourced in whatever way we need, whether that's um, getting a part-time job somewhere or asking for some help from a trusted friend or a family member or whatever sort of resource that we need to call in, um, really just giving ourselves complete and full permission to know that like, that's okay. And that does not mean that does not equal failure in any sense of the word. That is just like where we are in this moment. And, and it's a way that we are gaining information as to, um, where our energy is going right now and where you know, we want to be supported or we're, we're being supported in this moment. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um, I think there just is, I mean, I'll just speak really bluntly. I think there's just like a lot of weird weirdness around like soul work doesn't equal day job or additional jobs. And that's nonsense. You know, yeah. like we, like, these, if it's a soul led business, it's for sure spiralic. And there are moments absolutely where the flow is not where we would necessarily prefer or like it to be. And by taking Amy's brilliant advice, what that can enable you to do, because it's very difficult to check in with intuition when the nervous system and the primal needs are not getting met. Yes. So when we serve our nervous systems by taking on a little bit of extra cash, doing something potentially even part-time, it will free that part of us so that we can, you know, check in so that we can tune in with friends or, you know, um, someone like Amy who does business work, um, if that resonates with you or, you know, we can check in with someone in from a place where there's no desperation, where there's yes. no panic. And we can really say, you know, Hey, you know, is this really serving? What's the information here? Um, because I really do believe that my business quote unquote because this totally still happens to me. I am still a freelancer. I don't care like what you're doing. If you didn't come from family money, which I did not, even if you're freelancing and even if you're doing very, very well, you will still move into a time of the year <laughs> where, you know, if, if you're a business and you're paying for all of your expenses, you can still incur really tight times. It's different from how it was when I had three jobs, but, um, there is absolutely brilliant information to be gained from your business, quote unquote, not making money than when it does. There's always yeah. information. It does not mean that you're failing. And it also doesn't mean that it's your lot to kind of just like have a soul centered business that doesn't make money. No way. It's just a part of the journey of your business being um, alive in the world, you know? And so Amy's advice is really everything. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I, I, for me personally, I have the hardest time connecting to what my soul and my heart and what spirit is guiding me to do when my brain is freaking out. And yeah, if I do don't have enough money to pay my mortgage, my brain is sure as shit going to freak out. Mm -hmm. 
You better believe it. So yeah, there's, there's always an experience of that. And, and, you know, I think it is really important to like, take away this idea, like when people seem to be when, you know, they have large platforms, or they're established, or they have businesses or whatever, um, that they're not thinking about money anymore. No way. There's always a thought about money. I'm thinking about money every day thinking about money this morning, like, you know, hopefully if I, you know, X, Y, Z, like you're always thinking about that if you're working for yourself always. So it's, um, and that's not a problem. Absolutely not. And there's always, um, I always have thoughts in my head about look a couple different things that if, you know, a class doesn't necessarily sell to the extent where I'm able to pay my, you know, like, contracted like people who help me with my business. And if I'm not able to do, you know, that there's always a couple of things I can, you know, turn to. And I don't have, I still don't have any zero shame. I will do whatever work makes me feel safe on the planet. So it's just a part of, it's just all part of the journey. And just as Amy said, it's totally not a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is our last question. This has been so powerful. It's from Katie, who says, shares a beautiful compliment about you. This is, hello, beauties. First, I'd like to share that I've done group breath work with Amy, and it is no joke. I laughed, (laughs) I cried, I screamed, and I left feeling so cleansed. For anyone who hasn't done it, if you're unsure or hesitant, I cannot recommend it enough. Um, Yeah, and I agree. I've done breath work with you, and it's been completely transformative. Thank you. So Katie's question is this, she says, or they say, my question is this, it seems like for years, it was so hard to find any businesses that were mystical, witchy, tarot, alternative health, whatever you want to call it. Does it seem more now that the market has become oversaturated? Any recommendations for standing out? Mm. Um, First, I'm going to say, I don't think it's oversaturated. I know that it's like more popular right now. And there is like Obviously, people can have feelings about that in all different ways. Um, but when you think about the number of people on this planet, or even the number of people that live, like if you're more of an in-person business owner, the number of people that live in your, you know, 50-mile radius, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, I would damn near guarantee that um, there are plenty of people that um, still are not familiar with your exact signature of your work, you know, your exact energetic signature. And, um, you know, as I'll share is coming from um, the background of Chinese medicine and as being an acupuncturist and practicing acupuncture in a city where there are two, not just one, but two acupuncture schools, graduate schools. There are a lot of acupuncturists in this town And there are a lot of acupuncturists that kind of have that sort of, um, you know, that lack mentality of like, oh, these are my patients and, you know, very Mm -hmm. protective in that way. And I very much from the, from the day one that I was practicing, um, never felt afraid to say to a patient like, oh, I don't think that I'm the best fit for you. Like what you want help in isn't necessarily what I what I'm an expert in, I want you to go see so-and-so because I think that the more people out there receiving acupuncture or the more people out there getting tarot readings or the more people out there doing breath work, the 
you know, the better this world that we live in is going to be. Mm-hmm. And they're the more that they're going to share their experiences with their friends and they're going to share with their friends. And it's just going to trickle out because there are so many people in this world. And I just really want to invite you um, to know that there are plenty of people out there that want exactly what you have. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. I mean, yes to all of that. Um, totally similar, um, completely congruent, um, behavior on my part. When I was a reader, I constantly referred out and not even just to other readers. I constantly referred out to like psychotherapists and psychiatrists Mm -hmm. and like you, you, it's all now part of a network where we're living in a time not to get too out there, but we really are living in a time where people are they're really waking up and um everybody as you said has a kind of an energetic signature and if you are called to do work that is um of a helping profession your people are absolutely not another person's people and mm-hmm. if you want to stand out you just have to do you which is easier said than done but um, I'm not, and by the way, I have absolutely no judgment about this, but if you're looking with me for like a svelte, thin, <laughs> like, you know, Vogue magazine healer, I'm never, I'm not that person. They don't, they don't want me. And, you know, we don't want the, each other. The um, sirens agree. The sirens agree. And I love, I, I, and that's so beautiful because the people who do have, um, you know, whatever kind of um, physical embodiment in their body at this time, it, who um, are attracted uh, or attractive to certain um, folks, publications, energies, groups of people, they're there to serve those people. That's what they're here to do. And so the more we know um, who we are, and it happens over time, like I've had, you know, my Mars and my Saturn are both in Scorpio. So I'm going to tell you that like, I've had a couple of real colossal kablamos where I've been really brought to my knees because I've wanted to be, I realized like I was trying to be a kind of a practitioner and it's not that I'm not, um, like welcome or chosen. It's that there's a table set for me somewhere else. So standing out is really the, the process of time that comes with recognizing what's my work, like what, yeah. what, what's my languaging? How do I speak? And, you know, rather than deciding what my niche is, can I continue to open into my soul work and allow my work to be a complement to the work I'm personally doing? So I agree with you, Amy, on everything you said about oversaturation um, and have also seen, like, I've trained now literally thousands of tarot readers, some of whom are like making, doing this as their full-time work. And I have not seen um, any evidence thus far that even with them teaching in a style that is part of a lineage that I taught them, that it has taken anything, if anything, it has enriched me and them because anything I'm teaching them is really just the foundation for their own wisdom anyway. So yeah, well, it's that enrichment of like, 
you know, the more people out there receiving this deep medicine, the more they're going to benefit from it and like tell their friends like, oh my gosh, I just had the yeah. best tarot reading. And so by no means, like this isn't a secret that we're like trying to keep amongst ourselves. Like we want, wouldn't it be just fucking amazing if the whole world was receiving yeah. this sort of work? Like that would, could shift so many paradigms in yeah. so many ways. Yeah. So really just Trust the process of slowly but surely recognizing, you know, hey, I'm going to go in this direction and then realizing over the course of years and time and experience like, oh, those people are like totally and, and God bless, but they're just so not my people or um, these people are being so beautifully and easefully served by these folks and how can I even support that how can I allow folks just as you said Amy like how when folks come through my door that I think would be so perfectly served by another reader or another facilitator or even somebody who teaches a totally different modality how can we share and make sure that um you know we're really serving people that we hear a very clear yes to so yeah um, it's funny how like y the right people for you are going to show up at the right time too. I mean, I, hundred um, percent. yeah, before I was doing breath work, I was doing mostly health coaching for creative. So I was doing like business owner health coaching. And then when I started, when I did my breath work training and I was like, oh my God, but the breath work is just so amazing and everyone needs breath work. And so I kind of did the thing where, well, I don't want to just be only offering it to this one section of people because everyone needs this. And then the universe was like, oh really? Like you love working with business owners and yeah. business owners love working with you. So I basically was still just working with business owners, even though I was like <laughs> trying to market it to anyone. And then I had that realization was like, oh yeah, this is this is what I'm meant to do. Like, this is what I'm good at. And this is who wants to work with me. And, and that's great. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, what a dream. Thank you oh, I love so you. much. Oh, I love you so much. Cherish you. Um, where can people find you, Amy? Absolutely. Um, you can find me at amykoretsky.com and on Instagram, it's at amykoretsky. And I also have a podcast, which you were just on recently as well. And Hell that yes. is yeah, Health Fuels Hustle. And you can find that on iTunes and all the places where you can listen to podcasts. Wonderful. And again, um, Amy and my workshop, Tarot for the Underworld, is open for enrollment. It will be open until October 31st, and then it will be gone until next year. And next year it will come in a different format. So this is the only time to really drop into this particular incarnation of the material. And yeah. if you're interested, you can go to lindsaymack.com slash Tarot for the Underworld world or just click the link in your show notes and if you want to be at the live breathwork portion that's going to be on october 27th which is the new moon in scorpio mm -hmm. so um if you want to join us live you can do so if you sign up before then hell yeah please don't miss it or if you miss it the recording is going to be yeah. great but if you can make it <laughs> you should be there <laughs> amy thank you so much love you thank you bye Thank you so much for listening to Tarot for the Wild Soul. This podcast was edited by Chase Voorhees. The podcast art is by Chelsea Iris Granger, and it is hosted by me, Lindsay Mack. For more about the podcast, visit wildsoulpodcast.com or follow us on Instagram at Tarot for the Wild Soul. 
For more about me and my work, please visit lindsaymack.com. To support Tarot for the Wild Soul, please consider subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and leaving us a five-star review. It helps people find us and it is greatly, greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for being here.